right. Does everyone have their Bibles with them? Who's got a notebook this morning? We've been joking about taking notes. Imke has her notebook. She's ready. I'm very expectant for the word this morning. Because I believe this is something that God has been speaking on Johannes' heart for a while. And at first when he spoke to me about it, I thought, oh Lord, can you confirm it? (laughs) And I have a suspicion that I'm not going to get too many amens when I start. But at the end, I believe you're all going to be on the train with us. But also, I want to encourage you, our notes are in new version, and I've done detailed notes of this word because I thought that it would be important. So if you've got the Bible app, you can go onto new version, you can follow the notes there. And I want to encourage you, keep these notes and go into the scriptures this week and, and go and read for yourself and see what does it actually say and what is it actually speaking about. But as a church, we've been talking about and we've been focusing on how do we hear God's voice. In August, Johannes and I did a series about that. And I think probably the number one question that people ask us when they come and see us midweek or as we talk and engage with people in general, I think the number one question that people have been asking us is, how do I hear God's voice? So can we all agree that that is a priority for all of us? Everyone wants to hear God's voice. Who has a relationship with a parent, but you don't hear their voice, you don't talk to them, okay? God wants to communicate with us. And we've been speaking about different ways to draw near to God, because the Bible says that when we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. But there is another discipline, there is another tool that we want to talk about today that I believe actually gives additional power in this drawing near to the Lord. It gives additional horsepower. Okay, we are the guys who knows anything about fast cars. As you can tell, I don't know. (laughs) Johannes says I do. Okay, what do you give a car to give it extra horsepower? Okay, who can I ding finiger met meer krag? Nitros. Jy trapie petrol. Okay, this, this is like an accelerator on the petrol for your spiritual life. And today we are going to talk about the spiritual discipline of fasting. Yay! Two I means. That was more than what I imagined. Praise the Lord. And you know what, church? The reason why I think we don't get excited about this is, number one, probably because I don't think we teach enough about fasting. I don't think we, as the church, as the body in general, maybe every church you know, leads people in corporate fasts or explains to us from Scripture true biblical fasting, and the power of this spiritual discipline. Because I think even for me, every time the Lord nudges on my heart to fast, I go and read a book about fasting to get excited about it again, to remind myself that there is a huge, huge war between our flesh and the Spirit. And the reason why we don't get excited about fasting is because the war is on. (laughs) And oftentimes we find ourselves in a place where our body, our flesh, fleiskas, is actually the ruler. And the way that we can change the ruler from the flesh to the spirit is fasting. 
So it's a powerful, powerful tool. And I really pray that today, even though it might, for some people, this might sound like foundation, but sometimes it's so good to remind ourselves again of the things we think we know and to remind ourselves of the power of this and what this can actually do in our lives, what it can accelerate in our lives, how it can get us closer to God, closer in the spirit, more full of power and anointing. I mean, really feel God's talking to me about the anointing. Do we want to see power in the ministry? Well, Johannes and I have to get rid of the flesh. It starts with us. You know, if we are not going to lay down our flesh, then we cannot ask anyone else to come on the journey. So we've got to get on the train. And he was like, it's starting tomorrow, the 6th of September. And I said, praise the Lord. I am in. Actually, when I started to prepare the message, I said to him, can I please preach about it? Because that will, that will really stir me up. And give me the horsepower I need. And you know what's powerful is in Luke 4, verse 14, it explains in Matthew 4 as well that Jesus led by example. Jesus went into a 40-day and 40-night fast. Okay? And the Bible says in Luke 4, verse 14, that he came out of the wilderness full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Healings, demons manifesting, power, power, power in the ministry. 40 days, 40 nights. No food. Jesus was hardcore. He's still hardcore today. Okay, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And I believe, you know, fasting is actually a key that will open up a door for us in our personal relationship with the Lord to go to a much deeper level and a much more powerful level of intimacy with the Father in a way that no other discipline will actually get us access to. And those of you who have fasted or who have, you know, tested the waters of fasting, I'm sure there are many testimonies here. You can attest to this that it has brought power to your life. There are people that we know in the ministry. There's one particular person I'm thinking of. I thought about him last night, actually. He has a, a ministry in Mexico. They raise people from the dead. How many per month? I can't remember. Many. Already over the 3,000. Okay, in the span of their ministry of I don't know how many years. That person came to minister to our church, I think two years ago in Cape Town. And whenever we would be talking to him, he was always praying in tongues, and he was always fasting. And at one stage, our team was really curious, like, you know, they see the results of his ministry, and they would always ask him questions. And he said, fasting has become so much of my lifestyle that I actually forget to eat. My wife has to remind me to eat. That's hectic. But honestly, when I look at their ministry... It's like the Bible coming to life. I'm not saying that's every one of our call. I'm just sharing that to encourage you that there is a secret power, a secret key to walking in the anointing and the power of God that we don't tap into often. Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Secret principles that bring public reward. 
And I think it's interesting that he didn't say, if you fast, but he said, when. He was speaking to the religious leaders of the day because they had the wrong motive and they had the wrong heart, but he didn't condemn the practice of it. And so I think that is really profound. And we must remember that we are spirit and we are body and we are soul. And so we know that there is a war. Paul talks about it often, that there is a war. There is a battle between our flesh, our body, and our spirit. And either one of them wants control. And it depends on which one we feed, which one will have control, and which one will lead. When we are constantly feeding our bodies of the things of this world, and I'm not just talking food, I'm talking about, you know, in our thoughts, what we watch, what we listen to, what we engage in, versus when I'm feeding my spirit with spiritual disciplines, the word, prayer, fasting, worshiping, whatever one we feed the most will become the strongest. And I think sometimes we can go through life, and I feel like personally I'm there right now, even in ministry where I can find myself sometimes that the world tends to feed me more than my spirit man is being fed. And whenever we find ourselves in that place, we need to think, Lord, is it not time for a spiritual realignment? When we find that that balance is out, and how do we know when that balance is out? Maybe we find ourselves in a long time of unanswered prayer. Maybe we find when we pray like we're praying to the ceiling. Has everyone ever felt like that? Your spiritual life feels dry. It feels lifeless. It feels powerless. Maybe you're praying for someone and you're not seeing results. You're praying for someone and you're not seeing or experiencing the Holy Spirit move. And we can find ourselves in a place where we've run dry where the knife is blunt, a stomp mace. And this is the picture I tend to get when I study about fasting. It's like, you know, your spiritual life is just a bit blunt. And the tool to get it sharpened again is fasting. To get your blade sharp again, to get your spiritual ears in tune again, to get your spiritual heart in alignment and in agreement with the Lord again. Amen? And so it's going to get better. I'm going to encourage you now on this. Everyone looks very serious this morning. Do you feel like your life is in a place where you don't feel on fire for the Lord anymore? Or you feel like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling? I feel like the Lord is challenging all of us this morning. Where are you currently? Where are you in your spiritual relationship? Do the things of the Lord excite you? Is it exciting for you when we pray, when we worship? Do you sense some anticipation or is it just kind of, okay, wonder if Can we please sing like a shorter song? Or do the things of the Spirit actually excite you? That can be an indication that maybe, maybe something in your spirit is just a little bit off center. Nee? It's not saying we're bad people. It's just saying we've moved a little bit off center. Fasting will just help us to bring us back in alignment. It's like a spiritual chiropractor. Just get it back into, ah, 
agreement. Okay, <laughs> I feel like I want to go to a chiropractor. But what I've seen in my own life, and I'm just going to be honest, I haven't done a 40 days, 40 night fast with no food and only water. Okay, so I'm not in a place where I'm saying, yeah, follow me in that. I've done the type of three-day, 10-day, 14-day, 21-day fasts, different things as the Holy Spirit has led me in my journey. And I can tell you, I've tried to look back in my journals and I've tried to go back of what has actually happened when I've put myself in that place of letting my flesh die so that my spirit man can grow. And the very first thing, the very first time I went on a fast, I tried a three-day Daniel fast. And to me, that was hectic. Okay, I thought it was the biggest sacrifice ever because I've never done anything like that. I've never denied my flesh something that it really wanted. A chocolate, like a brewiki, kasi. I come from Cape Town, so we love bread, we love cheese, love a glass of red wine. And I went on this fast and I was really hungry for the Lord. I was actually quite desperate and in a place where I really wanted to understand what my life's purpose was. I really wanted to know from the Lord, and I tried praying, I did all sorts of things, but I wanted to know, Lord, why am I here? Why am I created? Why do I have the gifts that I have? In fact, what are my gifts? <laughs> you know, what have you called me to do? And I asked the Lord for a scripture, because I heard a pastor once say, ask the Lord for a scripture for your life. And God spoke to me in those three days, closer to the end of the three days. And I will never forget it. It was so crystal clear. Like I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, that speaks about the royal priesthood. I've called you to be a voice in the wilderness. I've called you to be a royal priest. And I knew instantly that moment God's called me to full-time ministry. And then that desire began to grow. And that desire became literally at a place where I just wanted to quit my job. I applied for every job at church. You know, I think I've told that story a million times. And then I was on another fast a while later. And I was really trusting the Lord now for an open door in the ministry. I can't remember if it was three days, seven days, ten days. But I was on another fast. And at the end of the fast, a door actually opened for me to serve in a leading position in a team that for me was huge. Because remember, I never spoke in front of people. I never had any confidence in front of people. So the fact that someone would ask me to lead a team, it was just the team that would give out Bibles to the new Christians. <laughs> there was no speaking involved really besides greeting the people. But the fact that they asked me to lead something, I've never led anything in my life, was huge. To me, that was a breakthrough of God speaking to me and confirming what he's called me to do. Then I was on another fast. This was a while later. And I was really trusting the Lord for a real open door in ministry. I was really actually trusting the Lord for him to say to me, I can now quit my job and I can go and work for the church. That didn't really happen. In fact, he sent me to another campus. But a door opened for me to go and lead a team at another campus, very far away, much bigger sacrifice, financially, time-wise, all of it. But when I got there... It was the same time that I was fasting, the pastor asked me to do the offering message for the first time. Again, it was something that I felt was a breakthrough moment that the Lord confirmed to me, even though I was so scared, that this is what I'm calling you to do. So every time I can think back, there was something that God spoke to me, confirmed to me, realigned me in 
with what he had called me to do. We've had different breakthroughs of fasting. Once I trusted the Lord to rent a flat, and this flat had a beautiful view of Table Mountain. Okay, another one of my heart's desires. Doesn't mean anything to anyone else, but it meant something to me. It meant something to God. And I was told I will never get this flat. It's actually given to someone else. So I fasted. And we're going to talk about motives of fasting. Fasting is not manipulating the Lord. But it was, again, something that God was speaking to me and confirming to me, I've got your back. When you put me first, I will open the doors. I will align the people. I will bring the resource. I will do it all. There's many other examples, but I think we need to go to the Word for some biblical examples. Johanna says, yes, please. Okay, so what is fasting? There's a, a minister of the gospel. He's now gone to be with the Lord, but I don't know if anyone knows Dr. Miles Munro. He used to minister in the Bahamas. Sounds like a good place to plant the church also. But he quoted fasting in this way. He said, fasting is the willful abstaining from natural pleasure for a spiritual purpose. The willful, in other words, it's voluntary. Abstaining from natural pleasures for a spiritual purpose. A personal commitment to renounce the natural so that we can invoke the spiritual. In other words, it's a place where I tell my flesh to go and die and my spirit man to arise, to come to life. So that we can get the control thing back again the way it should be. It's a dedication of a period of time to devote ourselves to the spiritual priority of the word and prayer over natural and physical priorities for us in the flesh. It can be food, it can be a hobby, it can be television, Facebook, anything that we exchange the period of time for a spiritual activity rather than a natural physical activity. And fasting referred to in Scripture is actually a sacrificial form of prayer warfare that I believe produces results that no other discipline can actually produce. I'm actually just convinced of it. And so maybe I can convince you by looking in the Word this morning. Some examples of fasting in the Bible. Number one, Ezra. There was a guy in the Old Testament, Ezra, in Ezra 8, and he actually called a fast to seek the Lord for protection for the people that had to move from Babylon into, where were they going? Into Jerusalem. And they made a 900-mile journey. And so he called for the people for a corporate fast to trust the Lord for protection and getting them to their destination. And I want to actually take the time to read some scripture for you this morning. This is Ezra 8 verse 21. And there by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. And I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road. Because we had told the king, they already told this non-believing king, our God will protect us. So now they're like, okay, Lord, now you have to prove. <laughs> We've just told him that. Now you have to prove that you will protect us. And the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him. But his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and we petitioned our God about this. And he 
answered our prayer. So Ezra fasted to seek deliverance and protection for the people. And everyone fasted together. Everyone was in agreement. Everyone was on that same train. Daniel. Daniel, we obviously, when we think about fasting, we think of Daniel. And there's two passages that speaks about his fasting. But I want to read Daniel 10, verse 1 to 3. And this is really profound to me. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel had another vision. And he understood that this vision concerned events to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. And when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning, he was actually fasting, for three weeks. And at that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So just in something interesting on fragrant lotions... Because they lived in a desert climate in the wilderness, that was actually necessary for them to protect their skin as well. So he even stayed away from that. Was that all? And then verse 12 to 14. Nia, sorry. Is it 12 to 14? Okay, hallelujah. And then he said, do not be afraid, Daniel. So what has happened here? Daniel was in mourning for the sins of the people, but also for the vision that the Lord gave him that there was going to be hardship ahead. You know, sometimes the Lord warns us of hardship coming ahead. So he was in mourning. He was in a place of deep discouragement. And the Lord came and the Lord gave him a vision. And the Lord said, I want to encourage you. And he sent an angel to come and minister to Daniel. And so this is now it. And then he said, do not be afraid, Daniel. This is the, the heavenly being speaking. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to, there's that word again, humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. So what was profound for me, and I know this is an Old Testament example. We're going to get to the New Testament. But again, we've got a man of God that humbled himself to seek the Lord about a vision that God had given him. And as he stayed in that place of seeking the Lord, of praying, of fasting for three weeks, 21 days, the Lord sent an angelic being to confirm and encourage to him what the word was that he gave him, what the future was where they were heading into. And I love how this explains, this is one of the few passages in Scripture that explains the real war going on in the heavenlies. Church, are we aware that there is a war happening in the heavenlies right now? Yes, Jesus is king, but there is a battle. Amen? There are principalities over nations, there are principalities over places and areas. But the power of prayer and fasting, what did it do for Daniel? It brought a breakthrough. It may have taken 21 days, but it brought a breakthrough. The Bible says that the first day he started praying, heaven heard. Some of us 
have forgotten about the power of persistent prayer. The first day you started praying, heaven heard. But there is a war happening for your soul. There is a war happening for your family. There is a war happening for this church. There is a war happening for Namibia because Namibia has a call of God. And if the church is not going to find ourselves in a place of going deeper with the Lord, of persistent prayer, of laying down our flesh, fasting and seeking God, we may never see the breakthrough. Okay? God showed him the spiritual realm in a season of great discouragement. There was Esther. She called a three-day fast for the people to pray with her so she can go to the king, which was actually illegal for her to go to and approach the king to save all of the Jews from being killed. Her prayer was answered. There was Jehoshaphat. Okay, you can go and read the scriptures are there. I'm not going to actually go through them, otherwise we run out of time. But in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 3, the Bible speaks about this incredible king Jehoshaphat. I actually want to preach about him because I think he was an incredible guy. But what happened was, is that there was a mighty army that was coming against him and his people. And he was actually being surrounded by the enemy. And the Bible said that Jehoshaphat feared. And immediately he inquired of the Lord. And he called a corporate fast. And he said to the people, we are going to fast and we are going to seek the Lord. Because we are actually in a corner. Who's ever felt that you've been in a corner? Okay, is the innerste hope now. And he called a corporate fast throughout Judah for answers and for desperate help from the Lord. And the Lord, maybe I must just read one scripture. Can we just read verse 13 to 15 in 2 Chronicles 3? And all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. And the Spirit of the Lord, remember that they are in a place of fasting now. They've humbled themselves. They've said, okay, Lord, your will be done. The Spirit of the Lord, Old Testament, came upon one of the men standing there. And you can do the next one. His name was Jehaziel. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And verse 17 says, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem and Vintuk. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against him tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Come on. We've sing that song this morning. Sung that song. My tenses are gone. Okay. We've sung that song this morning. But when we actually find ourselves in a place of humbling ourselves, seeking the Lord, we can get breakthrough where the Lord comes and gives vision, gives encouragement, gives us the victory. And sometimes you don't even have to do anything. You just had to humble yourself. And what is it doing? It's actually positioning me in a position of victory. I'm not trying to manipulate the Lord. That's not biblical fasting. I'm just humbling myself under his care, under his wisdom, under his rule, and then I watch for the victory. The early church fasted. They fasted to see God's wisdom and to appoint leaders. Okay, I have to read this. Acts 13, 
<laughs> Verse 2 to 4. One day as these men, actually scholars say it, it wasn't just the apostles, it was the entire early church. I'm just going to take a sip of water. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So they had again humbled themselves to say, Lord, we can't just appoint leaders, anyone that looks like a good leader. We need to trust and hear from you. Who have you chosen? So we can also fast to seek the Lord for wisdom, to seek him for insight, to seek him for clarity when we need to make big decisions. Maybe it's a decision for your family. Maybe it's a decision for your business. God wants to give us wisdom. Acts 14 verse 23. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. And with prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Can I continue? Okay. Okay, so I love that the early church was really fasting and praying for every major decision that they need to take. Because they knew the importance and the weight of the responsibility that they had. And I think some of us are in positions, I know definitely for Johannes and I, where we cannot afford not to consult with the Lord for deep decisions and important decisions we need to make. And sometimes just praying is not enough. Sometimes we need to find ourselves at a place where, Lord, I'm actually willing to go deeper. I'm actually willing to humble myself so that there is space for more of you and less of me. Amen. We spoke about Jesus who fasted to prepare for ministry. Sometimes people talk to us about ministry. And if there's one thing that I've learned, and we're not even far along the journey, and I'm sure Marley's mom can tell us all about preparing for ministry. But you know, God has got a ministry for each one of us. We're not the only ones in ministry. You've got a ministry, and God wants to prepare you for your ministry. But you are going to need spiritual capacity for that. You are going to need spiritual grit to make it through the lean times. You are going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God has called you to do. It doesn't matter what your natural gifts are. You need the power of the Holy Spirit for the mission of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes, fasting releases that power and that anointing. It births us into that place of the ministry that God has called us for. It prepares us. It gets us ready. It increases our spiritual capacity. Some of us are trying to do things that we have no spiritual capacity for. And the Lord says, I don't want you to do that alone. Come with me on a journey of fasting and prayer and allow me to do the preparation work in you. Allow me to release the anointing through you. Moses fasted. The Israelites fasted. Jonah fasted. Nehemiah fasted. The early church fasted. Paul fasted. The widow in Luke 2 fasted. Okay, so this is honestly a spiritual discipline that would release a new level of power in our lives. There was a minister that actually, I think it was actually maybe Miles Monroe, that explained that the Lord showed him once a, a vision, a picture of a clogged pipe. 
you know, a pipe that is just clogged with gunk and different stuff, like a water pipe. Our geezer, two weeks, a week before the outreach, had a leak. We had to replace the geezer. It was chaos. Okay, the pipes, then this pipe was leaking, then that pipe was leaking. And then we discovered, okay, there's even some of the pipes in the bathrooms that has to be unclogged. And Johannes asked me to go and buy drain cleaner. And so all the husbands now have an opportunity to quickly complain about your wife's hair clogging up <laughs> the shower, water pipe, whatever. Okay, so now that same analogy, this guy applied to our spiritual cleansing. And I don't want to use the wrong terms to make it sound like something different. But oftentimes, when we continue to feed on the world, our body becomes clogged up with the world. Our spirit becomes clogged up with the world. And so if this is a pipe and it has the capacity to have this much water flowing through it, but it is clogged up with all the gunk of the world, it becomes smaller and smaller. And the little stream of water that flows through it is so a drippleki at the end. And I thought that was such a powerful analogy of what can sometimes happen in our spiritual lives. Why we only see little drops of the Holy Spirit coming out. Not the full power that we are trusting the Lord for. Not the full spiritual capacity that He's placed within us. And fasting is actually a way that cleanses and cleans that pipe. Where it gets rid of the gunk of the world. It gets rid of the things that, you know, maybe we've just been feeding on. Maybe we've just filled ourselves with things of this world. We fed our flesh. And fasting will literally come like a flush and just flush it and clean it all so that our spiritual capacity can get back to where God wants it to be, so that the full power of the Holy Spirit can flow through the open, unclogged, clean pipe. Amen? Does that make sense this morning? What are the benefits of fasting? It's in the notes. Number one, it sharpens our spiritual senses and sensitivity to hear God's voice more clearly. Okay, and that's something we've spoken about. How does it look like for us to find a place of quiet time? Find a place where we block out the voices of the world. And especially anything that clogs up our time and our effort, whether it's food, whether it's hobbies, whether it's social media, TV, whatever. We've got lots of things that we can keep ourselves busy with. And sometimes when we fast and we willfully abstain from some of those things, it can give us more time to get quiet. Because when we tune off the noise of the world, we can actually hear the still small voice of the Father. And that is our biggest heart. Johannes's biggest heart is for us to sharpen our spiritual senses and to increase our sensitivity to hear the Lord speak to us. Number two, benefit of fasting is a revival of personal intimacy with the Lord. Getting rid of that dullness. Getting that blunt knife sharpened again. So when we pray, we actually see God move. When we read our Bible, the Holy Spirit actually speaks to us and we can perceive Him talking to us. A personal revival. We get our hearts back to a place of fire. And we don't want to fall asleep when we read the Bible. Amen. Ain't nobody got time for that. Jesus is coming back. We need to be awake in the spirit. Amen. Number three, to find clarity. A benefit of fasting is to find clarity of God's will. 
So many times for me personally, it may be different for you, I've had God confirm things, as I've said earlier, about His will for my life, His will for our church, His will for whatever I'm praying about, to get His wisdom, to get His understanding. God wants to speak to you about your calling. I actually really believe that fasting, humbling ourselves, actually creates space for people to move into the ministries that God has called them. But many people are standing and waiting for the breakthrough and God goes, I'm waiting for you to humble yourself and to wait upon me. Amen. Number four, fasting humbles us before the Lord. Many times a reason why we often don't see our prayers get answered is because pride tends to creep in, tends to creep in. And one way fasting is actually helping to humble us and we get rid of things like pride. We get rid of things like unforgiveness and bitterness and different things in our hearts. That is a benefit of fasting. It actually purifies our body, our mind, and our hearts. Number five, a benefit of fasting is we experience answers to prayer. We experience breakthrough, healing, deliverance. I personally know of someone that started a journey with me in my previous church and he was a full-on drug addict, alcohol addict. I mean, this guy had serious challenges in his life. He became so desperate for the Lord. He humbled himself, like probably something I've never seen. And he went, I think it was a 40-day fast that he did. It doesn't matter the length. It matters our heart posture before the Lord. And he was completely set free from every addiction. He's now planting churches all over Africa. And I can tell you now, God can heal, God can deliver, God can do crazy miracles when we are willing to show him, Lord, we are actually so desperate that we know you are the only answer. And I want to encourage you, maybe there's someone in your life, maybe someone in your family, maybe some type of breakthrough that you are trusting the Lord for. Why don't you pray and ask the Holy Spirit, should I be fasting for this person? Should I be interceding in prayer for this situation, because maybe the miracle is just there ready, but it's waiting. Amen. I want to read one more scripture before, before I bring it to a close as Johannes will lead us in communion this morning. Mark 9, verse 25. This is an incredible story of Jesus teaching his disciples. They are training for ministry. <laughs> and Someone brings a little boy to him or to the disciples that is demon-possessed. And the disciples weren't able to cast out the demon. And he asks, the, the man comes to Jesus, the father, and he says, I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do anything about it. And so the disciples were obviously, I can imagine, a bit embarrassed. Imagine this now was And now nothing happened in the hospital. And they asked Jesus, Lord, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And so this is what Jesus says. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, 
his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Many translations only say prayer, but scholars believe in most of the original Greek, it says fasting as well. Sometimes the Lord will send us into assignment and we are going to need greater spiritual capacity. We are going to need greater power to deal with the opposition that's going to come against us. And the question really is that I felt the Lord ask in my heart is, how desperate do you want to live out your purpose? How desperate do we want to walk in the things that God has for us? We can sing about it. We can listen to other people's testimonies about it. But really it comes down to you and I personally. How willing are we to trust God and to step out and to trust him to do something in our life? How willing actually are we to get to know him? Because I want to go through, but it's in your notes. I'm not going to take too much time on it this morning, but one of the most important things when we fast is that fasting is not trying to get God to do what we want. Fasting is not a place of trying to manipulate God to getting an answer to prayer. I actually believe fasting's number one priority, number one motive, is to get closer to Him, is to get closer into relationship. And the byproduct, the benefit of that is the answered prayer, is hearing His voice, is being refueled and realigned and getting into place and getting our spiritual capacity increased. But that is the heart's motive, is I actually want to get to know the Father. Yes, I can have my heart's desires. The Bible says I can petition. We listed a lot of examples of how we can petition God for the things that we need. But we don't go into a fast to get Him to do that. We go into a fast to seek Him. Because you never know what God wants to bless you with and wants to speak to you about that maybe you don't even know anything about. I want to give time for Johannes to to really lead us into communion today. But I want you to go back to those notes. We've listed there types and links of fasts. There are different ways that you can get involved because we're going to actually, do we have, yes, thank you so much. We are going to start a fast tomorrow, a corporate fast from the 6th of September to the 26th. And we want to invite you to join us for 21 days. Go and pray about it and ask the Lord, What is the length of fast that you need to do? What is it maybe in your life that is stealing time from your time with God? Is it preparing food or eating? Is it social media? Is it maybe something else, a hobby or something that's just keeping you from the adequate amount of time that God really wants with you in this season? And it may look different for all of us. And then we're going to read the Bible because really, if we are just going to fast something, it's just a diet. Fasting is not fasting, biblical fasting, without much time in the Word and much time in prayer. So it's actually shifting our life for three weeks to incorporate more time with the Lord, more time reading the Bible, more time in prayer. Coming here on Sunday, strengthening one another, encouraging one another, worshiping together, and then going back out for another seven days six days. And we want to encourage you. We've sent a PDF. We've explained different types of fasts, different motives, how you can get started. 
you know, how to pray, how to actually repent and clear our heart before the Lord before we start, because unconfessed sin actually hinders us also from communion with God. So it's really a place of humbling. And I know it seems crazy scary to our flesh, but I want to encourage you, if you've never done a fast in your life, don't try and think you need to do a 40-day fast like Moses. <laughs> no food, no water. Please don't do that also. If you are on medication or if you've got a serious health condition, please first speak to your doctor. Don't drop medication. Don't say we told you to go on a fast. Okay? But go with where you are right now. If one day is going to be a new challenge for you, then go for one day. But then give it 100%. It's about our heart motive that God responds to. And we're going to read through the book of John. There's 21 chapters, and we're going to read one chapter a day. And we're going to send on the church group, we'll send a little uh, note. Uh, not a note. It's actually a Bible reading plan on you version for 21 days. It's got some questions and answers. If you, if you want something to just read the chapters with and to engage with Scripture, because sometimes people say to us, I actually don't know where to start. So why don't you start there? We want to try and make it as easy as possible, but we're going to trust the Lord, number one, that all of us can increase our spiritual capacity to hear His voice. As a church, I've said to you, Highness, we're really trusting the Lord for a new building. And we're trusting the Lord for healing for a lot of people that have been trusting for healing for a long time. We're trusting for deliverance for certain situations of certain families. Whatever is in your heart, write it down. Commit to it and say to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to seek you with everything that I have. Go as a family and pray about it and think, okay, how are we going to do this? Maybe even just three nights a week, get together and read the Bible together. Pray together. If you've never done it before, just step out and try it. You will never know until you just do it. Just start where you are. Amen? Amen. Before I ask Johannes to share communion for us this morning, I want to just pray for a group of people. And, you know, oftentimes when we speak about communion and we speak about fasting and we speak about these different spiritual disciplines, the best place for us to actually begin is to make sure, have I actually accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? And I think I know most people in the room here this morning, but if there is anyone here that you feel like I've actually moved so far away from the Lord, or maybe you've actually, you grew up as a Christian, but you've never actually decided to give your heart to the Lord. You've never actually made that decision to completely surrender to Him. Then I want to invite you this morning, while everyone's eyes are closed, you can just bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for some people, and sometimes it's just good to give people some privacy. Especially in a small room like this. And I want to ask if there is anyone here this morning, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never made him Lord of your life. I want to give you an opportunity this morning, and I want to remind you that God has got a plan for your life. You are not here this morning by accident. God loves you. If there is anyone here this morning that wants to surrender their heart to the Lord, I want you to just gently raise your hand, and we want to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. 
Okay, well, then I'm going to ask Johannes this morning to just end the service for us as we go into communion. What an awesome word, Marissa. Thanks for that. Yo, it's powerful. It was actually also my first time that I heard it. I didn't hear it at home. As she said, just going to keep it as a surprise. <laughs> but thank you for that. Um, when we look at the, the, the Bible in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul exp exp explains to us what Jesus did when he instituted the communion with his disciples. So the first thing he did with the meal is he went, he took an unleavened bread, and he took the bread, and he broke the bread and handed it out to all his disciples. He handed it out, and they ate. And after the meal, that they took the wine, and he explained to them as well that the bread was, it represented his, his body, and now with the wine, he explained that that represented his blood. And there's something that he wanted them to understood. What is, what is the real purpose of a communion? What did he want to tell them, the, the people? What does this really mean? And why do we need to do it? He used two simple things, the, the bread and the wine. But it had such a significant spiritual value that he wanted to share with them. And if we look at, if, if we look at 1 Corinthians 11 verse 24 till 23, we'll see what he meant by why we need to take a communion. And I'm going to start to read from verse 24 for you guys from the New King James Version. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my, my, my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember this. We say this a lot. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink, as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
till he comes. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That sleep means dead spiritually also and and normal dead for if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged but when we are judged we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world and we can just quickly put on again verse 24 purpose that we see here number one is so that we remember Jesus we say this a lot like we we tend to get so into life and all the things that we tend to forget Jesus we tend to forget to spend time with him we tend to forget what he, he did for us in the, the cross we just tend to forget him until someone says something and we think about him again but he wants us to have communion regularly because it helps us to remember him the whole time. It's, it's quite easy. Number two, verse 26, that he wants us to, to proclaim his death until he comes. Like, what does that mean to proclaim his death? Like, yeah, he's dead. No, it's not that. He wants us to know what actually happened when he died for us on the, 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 the cross. What happened in the sp- sp- spiritual world when he died for us. And for instance, now we, we sit here today and we think, oh, my life is a bit of a mess. You know, my my work, money, my health, wife, kids, you know, it, 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 it's all a mess. I, I've got fear, I'm de- 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 depressed, it's just issues after issues because of my sinful life and I, and I don't know how to get out of this rut. And so many of us want to just say, you know what, that's the end of it, I'm sick of it and you wanted to make some, some drastic steps and to fix it. Some even think, you know what, I just have to, to take my own life. And that's your life. But why do we, why do we need to know what happened there on the, 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 the cross? Everything that you feel, that make you feel the way you feel, that make you do the things you do, everything that you feel and everyone else now and everyone else before us and everyone else after us, everything that they feel and live and all those sins that make that things come to to life in them, 
he took that on him. So if you think the agony that he went through those last few hours of his life, just because he wants to set you free from what you now sit here and feel with and struggle with. And number three is if we can put on verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner um, will be guilty of the, the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and, let, and, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. When we talk of the Lord's body, we talk about us, the church. If, if we come to Him and we take a, a, the bread and the wine just because that's what we do, but we still keep on living the lives that we do, we come to Him in an unworthy manner. What he, he wants for us, and this is the power of, of communion. If, if you heard that it brings healing and stuff, this is where it happens. It's when he wants us, before we take a communion, to come before him, and like she said this morning, and humble ourselves before the Lord. Ask for forgiveness of our sins. forgiving mothers of their sins and then believe that we are now free and clean before him and then we come and take communion. So it's not just something that we do. There's so much more in it what Jesus wants for us. Amen. So, what I would like us to do today is all the, if, if you are here in a household, the, the men in the house, the spiritual leader in the house, I want you actually to come forward and take for your household some of the bread and the wine. If you are here on your own, you can, you can come and then in your household or if you're alone, with, sit with some some people and have communion together while we have it I'd, I'd like you, um, you to, to, to pray as a group as a, 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 a family and you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if there's anything today here that he can let you know what, what keeps you from 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 a um, walking with him, and when he lets you know, you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to help you to remove that obstacle 
because you and your household want to walk with Lord. You want to come in a closer relationship with Him. Amen. And um, something that, that it, it might be a little bit harder, but still it's something we need to do. Is It says in, in James 5, it says that we should confess our sins to one another so that we can be healed. So if there's something t- today that you need to confess with your husband or your wife or your friend or whoever, and you feel safe, then confess your sins so that you may be healed. And you pray for each other so that you may be healed. Because it says here that many of us are sick, sick physically, but also in our souls and spirits. Because why? We don't confess sin. We walk around with unconfessed sin, and we don't pray for each other. We like to point fingers at each other like this church does this and this church does that and that one does this and that's why we are sick Jesus wants us to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other so that we may be healed this is what it says in his word so do we want to get healthy yes or no When you ask for, for, for forgiveness and when you forgive, you need to then walk out knowing that your sins are forgiven. It's done. It's washed away. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, um... Well, actually, I think I'm going to do something else. I'm going to ask the team, the team, if that, that, that they can can hand out the communion for us. That will be easier today. So again, within your um, household or if you sit with a friend, and please um, don't sit alone. Go sit with someone. Pray for each other. Ask the Lord for, for, for forgiveness of your sins. And if there's someone that you know that sinned against you, forgive them as well. And, and then believe your sins are forgiven you. And in your own time, you can have a communion. If you're still praying, you can continue. I'm just going to conclude for us and to pray for all of us as a group. And those who want to go outside and have some coffee afterwards, you are so welcome. Father, we just thank you this morning as a church community, Lord, for just this sacred time in your presence. Father, I thank you, Lord, that... Your word is true and that you are always faithful. And Lord, as a church community, we just come and as we've prayed this morning before, Lord, we come afresh before you this morning. We surrender our hearts and our lives afresh to you. We surrender our families, our callings, our different things back to you this morning. And Lord, we leave any of these things behind. 
whether it's pride, whether it's rebellion in our hearts, whether it's unforgiveness, we release it here this morning. Lord, and we ask for your forgiveness and we receive your forgiveness this morning. Lord, and I thank you that as we walk out of here today, Lord, that we will know, number one, that we are so loved by you. Lord, that we will know, number two, that you've got a great plan for our lives, no matter what the world looks like. And Lord, that your heart's desire for all of us is to walk in the fullness that you've got for us. So I want to pray a special blessing over every person and every family represented here this morning. Lord, may you protect them in this week to come. May you guard them. Lord, may you guide them on how they are to fast and how they are to pray and participate in this corporate prayer and fasting season that you've led us into. Lord, we thank you that you are doing a new thing. We thank you that you are leading us into a new season, Lord. And Father, our heart's prayer and our heart's desire is that we will just grow closer to you. Anything that you do for us is an absolute bonus, Father, but we want to know you and we want to walk with you daily. We love you and we honor your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I pray that that's blessed you this morning. Again, if you want to participate, you can let us know if you want that PDF. Please, whatever you do, drink lots of water over the next three weeks. And we will also send a reading plan through on the WhatsApp group. And then join us for some coffee on the stoop afterwards. We would love to meet you. God bless.